0: Good day and welcome to the Energy Policy Now podcast from the Climate Center for Energy Policy at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm Andy Stone. In September, the city of Philadelphia introduced its plan to dramatically reduce carbon emissions and move to 100 percent renewable energy. Philadelphia's plan is a step toward fulfilling its commitment to shrinking its carbon footprint and comes as cities across the United States have moved to act on climate change as the federal commitment to address global warming has withered. Today's podcast takes a look at the details of Philadelphia's plan and the means available to cities to change their energy consumption as they look to address climate change. And as cities struggle to fund basic services, we'll look at the cost of lowering emissions. Here to talk about Philadelphia's new energy plan is Adam Agalico, energy manager for the city of Philadelphia. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Adam is the lead planner for Philadelphia's Municipal Energy Master Plan, the city's roadmap to reduce carbon emissions and adopt renewable energy. Adam, again, welcome to the show. Uh, I wanted to ask you to start out about the background to the Energy Master Plan. What has led Philadelphia to its current effort to uh, to cut its emissions?
1: Sure. So for a long time, um, and really the in the Nutter administration, we started off with a with GreenWorks Philadelphia, the city's sustainability plan. Um, that uh, plan has now evolved, and now we're looking at kind of Mayor Kenny's spin on that, which is um, GreenWorks' uh, sustainable vision for Philadelphia. So we're we're kind of falling under a, a slightly different um, uh, framework in terms of how we approach this work. But uh, the municipal energy operations have been a long-standing part of municipal government. Um, the energy office kind of got a, a boost in the Nutter administration, carried forward into the Kenny administration. And for a long time, we we had goals that fell under Greenworks, but we didn't have really truly a framework for operations and a framework for what we should be doing within our own operations. So we felt that that was a need. We felt like, especially given um given kind of the ambitious goals that uh, Mayor Kenny had around um, 80% reduction in carbon emissions by 2050, that it would be a good idea to, to sort of reset and say, okay, well, how do city buildings fit into this and and what kind of interim goals and measures do we need to be prioritizing as a city?
0: Uh, let's just take a step moment to, to talk about the GreenWorks vision. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That's the larger sustainability vision for the city. Yeah,
1: so GreenWorks, again... Um, more recently reframed and uh, and focused around eight different vision areas. So it's not just covering energy and climate. We're looking at um, waste. We're looking at transportation. And really kind of the idea is, is making this really accessible and talking about the benefits of sustainability, not the um, kind of metrics that get us there. And so if you look at the original Greenworks, it was really talking about vehicle miles traveled or VMT. It was talking about um, uh, waste diversion rates and things like that, all really important aspects of sustainability but um, but what people really want to know when they're talking about transportation is they want safe accessible transportation they want when they're talking about waste they want clean streets they want um, you know low waste and, and high recycling and then and kind of high reuse so it's really about reframing sustainability again towards what do residents get and we felt like we feel like that gives us a broader audience and again makes this plan just more accessible and uh, and also with it with a spin on equity and trying to look at okay so let's make sure that that the benefits of sustainability and the benefits of the work that our office are do, is doing and that other city departments are doing really touches all Philadelphians and, and is not just kind of focused on those folks that are kind of you know, uber, uber green and really kind of um,
0: you know, already on board. So, so now you're looking to tackle energy and carbon emissions specifically. Um, what impacts are we seeing in Philadelphia at this point, if any, related to a warming climate?
1: So I always um, I always mess up kind of the idea of talking about climate and weather separately. So I'm not going to necessarily say about the weather impacts. If you look at the recent history in Philadelphia, we have seen warmer weather. Um, but I, I can't really speak to, you know, is, that our, is our climate changing? Um, I'm not a climate scientist. But what I can say is that we did hire climate scientists to look at kind of how the climate will change in future carbon emissions um, and sort of different futures of different emissions types and different... Um, in intensities, uh, the punchline of that is that Philadelphia is going to be warmer and wetter, and so uh, we're looking at trying to understand. We also looked at um at basically how how it's going to be warmer and wetter. So is that just going to be a higher temperature during the summer, or is it going to be warmer warmer winters as well? Um, when we talk about wetter, is this going to be more increasing frequent? rain, or is it going to be more of the Seattle type kind of rain where it's just always sort of doing something? Um, and it's, it's, it looks like it's going to be more intense storms. And and we've kind of, I think we've seen some of that, but again, you don't want to mix up climate and weather too much. Um, all the information that we've gathered on our climate adaptation is available on our website. Um, there's a useful climate science for Philadelphia, um, kind of lays the groundwork as to what assumptions we made and how we got to these assumptions. Then we also have a growing stronger, um, plan, which is really focused on how do municipal assets uh, adapt to it and what risks do our own assets have.
0: That's kind of our first level of climate planning. We're working to do more climate planning as well in the future. Okay. So jumping specifically to the the master plan itself, uh, from my understanding, it covers about 600 city-owned buildings, uh, ranges from city hall to the art museum to police stations and libraries, et cetera. Um, um, How does the city generally plan and manage energy use from such a wide range of spread out uh, buildings? Yeah. So
1: again, the energy office, which is kind of a a part of the office of sustainability that I work in, um, that's really our job is to organize all of our bills and to organize all of our data, to do procurement um, in a strategic way for all of those assets, and also to guide energy conservation and energy efficiency programs. So Um, We're a four-person office. We're a relatively um, kind of small group, but um, we're really kind of the the central hub for municipal energy management. Uh, The only other thing I'll mention is that the water department also has a a separate kind of energy team and energy work and energy initiatives, um, and the airport's working on the same type of uh, kind of framework. So um, all of those together really come together to, to sort of form what most folks think of as the city. So.
0: What's the city's energy mix today in terms of where that energy comes from, how it's generated?
1: Yeah, so uh, when we're talking about electricity, it's um, you know it's roughly thirty percent coal, thirty percent nuclear, thirty uh, percent gas, and then kind of ten percent mixed bag. Um, that's some renewables, that's uh, some fossil fuels, kind of uh, you know uh, different different
0: types of generation sources. And that's tied to what the local electric grid has. Yeah, so
1: that's yeah, that's all managed by PJM, you know, the local um, transmission operator here, and then um, they they kind of subdivide us. What we consider the uh, the regional mix is is called the Reliability First Council East, which is um, really just the way the EPA designates that they're, they're an organization, but that's the way that they break out emissions. We we fall in that in that area.
0: So so one of the goals here of the plan is to uh, move to 100% renewable electricity by the year 2030. Currently, the city gets just about 4% of its electricity from renewables. How will it make that big leap in only, what, 12 or 13 years?
1: Right. And so I, th- I think the key thing is that we're talking about supplier choice when we say that the city is going to make the, the choice to choose clean, renewable um, electricity supply over um, over other or more conventional supply. And so every customer right now out there has a choice. You know, there's um, customer choice came to the Philadelphia area about in 2011. Um, The city's been kind of doing its purchasing in various different ways. What we're saying now is we need to prioritize through our purchasing um, renewables and clean energy sources. Um, That's not to say that we're also not going to look at generation on our own assets. Um, You know, we've got buildings that have great uh, potential for solar, and we're studying that. But um, but first and foremost, the big movement is, you know, we need to be able to purchase a, a, a cleaner supply. So. so, so what are the economics of it? How is that going to work? So. We'll see. Um, that's the that's the real question. We've got an RFP out that's open right now. Um, we just had a pre-proposal meeting earlier this week. RFP and,
0: being a re- request and, oh yeah, for proposal. Mm-hmm. A lot of
1: acronyms in government. A request for proposal, um, and that is uh, out there seeking a power purchase agreement or a PPA for um, for energy supply for some portion of our energy supply. We put out a request for information last year, and that showed that you know pricing was there about around what we're paying right now. And so what we're asking folks to do is to um, you know, fix that supply and 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 give it to us for for an extended period of time. So um, we're looking to 40 percent of our supply in this first purchase. Um, I'm hopeful that we'll get prices that are really competitive. Um, and the other aspect of this is that you know this is risk mitigating for our future energy prices. So you know, right now we're out there making forward purchases because of you know unknowns as to what's going to happen with energy costs. If we can fix a portion of that, um, you know, again twenty to forty percent. Um, there's predictability within that and that provides budget certainty which has a lot of benefits in the city government you know um, a couple years ago we had a polar vortex um, here in in the Philadelphia region natural gas prices spiked electricity prices spiked um, you know folks that were not hedged um, you know took a hit and uh, thankfully, the city's policy you know, avoided us from doing that, but we're really talking about doing that from a from a longer term perspective in this opportunity.
0: Reading through the plan, I, I noted that um, the uh, Philadelphia's built environment, the energy cost for that uh, built environment, totaled forty two million dollars in twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. um, and that you're planning on maintaining that level of energy spend going forward. Uh, you also talked about or the, lowering it or lowering it. Okay. <laughs> you also talked about the risk mitigation that goes along with, uh, getting, in, uh, entering into these long-term power purchase agreements. Another thing that you point out in the report is that grid electricity is actually very cheap right now. And I guess that's due to, to abundance of, of low cost natural gas. Yes. Does that create any additional, um, challenges or economic challenges in making this successful?
1: For sure. For sure. And I think, um, you know, you're seeing, uh, kind of a natural, a national conversation about energy supply and what the city should be or what, what the, the nation should be doing. And, um, you know, we're, we're just a, a part of that natural, natural gas prices are driving, um, are driving prices in this region down. Um, if, you know, there's also you know, additional pipelines coming into this area, there's a the potential for those pipelines to kind of raise prices because we're no longer going to be, you know, folks will have places to get that natural gas out of the region. So, you know that's again why the uncertainty and why we're saying well maybe it makes sense to sort of look at a at a hedge um, and a, and a fixed purchase for a portion of our electricity and um, and of course then to prioritize kind of the the cleanliness and the and renewable aspects of that because we really see see that as as crucial to to the region you know, and the regional grid changing
0: to a to a to a cleaner grid. Uh, I just wanted to talk about uh, the state as a whole and, and Philadelphia's role within it in, for just a moment. Um, Pennsylvania has a lot of natural gas, has benefited tremendously in the last few years from the Marcellus Shale gas drilling, also has a lot of coal. Um, and generally, Harrisburg, which is the capital, has been very um, you know, favorable to those industries. This is a promise from the city of Philadelphia to move away from those sources of energy. Uh, energy. What's the relationship? Has has there been any pushback from Harrisburg on this? So we we
1: haven't heard any pushback from Harrisburg, and um, I should say I haven't heard any pushback. I'm um, kind of middle management of, of Philadelphia government, so it's not a uh, not something I would expect to hear, but. Um, but we have heard from some local um, state legislators that are interested in hearing more about the plan, why we're trying to do this. Um, so I, you know, I think it, it's, we'll see, we'll see sort of what folks um, kind of think about this in the long run from a, from a state legislature perspective. Um, you know, we're trying to use the tools that we have as a city to kind of drive change in the, you know, in the city, as well as in the region. And our purchasing power is one of those tools. So, um, you know, to kind of spin that around, you know, there's an there's obviously a um, a lack of, of federal leadership around climate. Um, you know, you could say similar things around the state. Um, you know, that has not been prioritized. So I think that again, we're trying to prioritize it, and we're using the tools we have, which is you know, first and foremost, our our purchasing power to to try to move things along. Uh,
0: to what extent might the city go off the grid?
1: Uh, I think that there's probably some limited applications for for kind of those, I think more likely, um, we'd focus on resiliency and saying, let's not go off the grid, but let's, um, you know, let's make sure that our critical facilities can operate, you know, for an extended period of time in in the event of an outage. Um, I don't, I don't, I think that that's probably our first priority.
0: So the second part of the plan is to reduce energy consumption by 20%. How's that going to be handled?
1: So we're looking at existing projects and existing programs and the investments we're already making. And, um, and trying to hit uh, a goal that we think is really very much attainable. So um, right now, you know, the city is in the midst of a rebuild, uh, which is a investment once in a kind of a generation investment in our parks and recreation and library facilities. So we've been working with uh, the rebuild team and working with the Department of, of Capital Projects to set some really kind of guideline documents about what those investments should look like. So um, it's things that you would expect. Uh, we're putting LED. We want to put in LEDs at every single rec center and and library. We want to make sure that um, you know when we're putting in windows, it's of a certain U value and a and a and a roof with a certain insulation value. Um, you know we're looking at minimum efficiencies on our. Um, on our equipment as well. And so, making sure that, you know, any air conditioning or or boilers have kind of efficiency built into them. So, part of the plan is kind of tweaking those investments. Um, You know, part of the plan is also looking at large, you know, smart investments in our own facilities. So, the day that we announced the plan, we did so on the the steps of the Philadelphia Museum of Art, um, where we've been working on an energy performance contract in that facility. Um, That's the single largest energy user for the, um, for city government, municipal government. So, uh, we're excited about that project, um, and that's going to be a lot of you know, insulation and, um, and a lot of uh, controls, a lot of lighting that really kind of uh, bring the infrastructure of that building up to a, to a, a little bit more modern sense. Um, the nice part about these investments is that these are investments that a city should be making anyway. Um, we're talking about investing in our facilities, and, and there's a lot of co-benefits, whether you're talking about comfort or you know, better light quality, better indoor air quality. Um, so the, the investments that we're looking to do is not, again, trying to spend a ton of money. It's really trying to say, okay, well, how do we tweak the investments we're already making, and then how do we take these kind of big facilities and really go deep in terms of infrastructure investments um, that, that ultimately pay for themselves with the savings they
0: generate. So. But there are some upfront costs in all of this, and how is the city going to fund that?
1: Yeah, so um, the, the city did a, a large energy performance contract for our downtown facilities, we did so through a, a bond issuance. Um, and again, the way that that project was structured is that the savings pay for the, the debt service. So the project kind of on the books of the city is really a, a net zero cost because um, it's uh, and, in, and actually in that case, it was there's a net positive cash flow um, because the, the savings were about one point four million dollars. The bond or the debt issuance is about one million dollars. So it's my my office's job to kind of present and build more of those projects And then also make sure that we maintain the successes that we've had in those buildings. So, so far that project has done really well for City Hall and our other buildings um, downtown. We just got Energy Star certification um, on our, the one parkway building, which we're excited. It's the city's first Energy Star building, city government's first Energy Star building. So um, we need to do a lot
0: to maintain that. There are so many buildings, again, in the city that that you, uh, that you manage. Uh, Are you going in them all at once? Are you taking a certain slice and kind of moving along? We're trying
1: to prioritize where we where we see opportunity. Um, and, you know, right now we've got a great program with our Department of Public Property, for example. Um, they're going through and redoing a lot of the fire stations uh, just because they wanted to do them anyway. Um, and our office is funding, with our really small amount of capital funds, the lighting for that. Um, so... It's a it's a good opportunity to sort of get in and do that work. Um, you know, the Art Museum, another kind of being a little bit opportunistic, they've got a project there called the Core Project where they're doing a lot of infrastructure improvements. Um, and it's the perfect time to sort of take a deep dive on energy efficiency and say, okay, well, while you're doing these infrastructure improvements, what other types of things can we do, you know, kind of while the walls are open? Um, and investments that they wouldn't necessarily um, – necessarily retrofit, like, again, some steam insulation and replacement of steam traps and, and you know, um, one-off lighting things. So uh, it's kind of trying to take advantage of those opportunities where they, where they come up. Um, and then also looking after the kind of biggest users and the, the biggest energy hogs where we can and, and prioritizing them.
0: Now, now Philadelphia is making, doing this uh, right now, and a number of other cities in the United States are doing it. As you mentioned earlier, former mayor Michael Nutter uh, was an original founder of the Climate Mayors Group. I think Eric Garcetti, um, mayor of Los Angeles, was also one of the initial founders, really looking to um, continue the city's commitment to cutting uh, emissions regardless of whatever was going to happen with uh, the Paris Climate Agreement. Are the cities working together, sharing information, knowledge, learnings uh, to make these, you know, energy changes happen? Uh, yes, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So um, we uh, actually three members of the Office of Sustainability were just in a at a conference for the Urban Sustainability Directors Network. Um, that's where almost all of the major cities um, in the United States and Canada get together. Um, talk about this work. They've got regular kind of groups sharing sessions, and they've got a, um, a a website where people will post RFPs and post kind of advice on different projects they've done and successes they have. Um, I could go there, you know, tonight and ask a question. And, you know, by tomorrow, I'll have heard back from maybe a couple cities that have experience in, um, in those areas. So yeah, I think that, you know, you're seeing a lot of, for a while, there was a big competition among cities of who's the greenest. And I think, what everybody sort of turned to is that we all need to just take this stuff seriously, and and I don't think there's a lot of credence given to those rankings anyway. But um, but we are trying to uh, to kind of move past that and really work collaboratively, and I think that's always been the case, just hasn't always been portrayed that way. So.
0: A question I wanted to ask is: in a city that's very very old like Philadelphia, is this uh, particularly? onerous challenge, given the age of the infrastructure of the buildings, may a city that's out west that may be more modern find this easier to handle
1: i I think in some ways when you talk about building energy specifically, I think yeah we're at a little bit of a, a disadvantage to some extent. we've got older facilities um, we've got a lot of facilities, you know, so there's a there's a lot of challenges that go along with that, but we've got other inherent kind of benefits. You know, if you look at Philadelphia versus, uh, you know, Phoenix, you know, and this is not again in that building energy aspect, but you talk about transportation systems, you know, we've got pretty extensive mass transit um, in Philadelphia. We've got subway lines, we've got trolley lines, we've got. Yeah, uh, you know, I was saying before I got to the. Uh, pen here in about fifteen minutes after stepping out of my office, so um, it 's about a mile and a half away, so it's we 've got a lot of benefits in some areas you know buildings we 've got an older building stock, and there's there's definitely some some disadvantages to that um, but uh but overall, I think that there's a lot of really positives from a dense urban city like Philadelphia
0: San Francisco is another major city with a an energy plan, and um, it 's interesting in their plan transportation figures very heavily. And also, San Francisco—I uh, forget this specific numbers—but puts a major portion of its energy use and its emissions uh, as as related to transportation. Will there be a transportation plan for Philadelphia?
1: So the um, the Office of Transfer-
0: Transportation
1: and Infrastructure Systems is working on a on a transportation plan, um, and that's uh, that's focused. We're going to be you know, partially focused on on emissions and. Uh, low carbon kind of opportunities. I think, uh, what we're trying to show in our municipal government work right now is just kind of where the city can lead by example. So we're also looking at our own fleet and, and kind of a different form of transportation, but we've got trash trucks and police vehicles and all sorts of kind of things that are running around and on these, on our streets. And, um, we're trying to find opportunities to green them first, uh, and I think Otis is really going to take the lead to sort of see what the future of transportation looks like in Philadelphia. I think the the bigger challenge there is even more so than building energy. You know, you're seeing technology that really can disrupt that market. And I hate to use that word because it's kind of overplayed. But um, you know, you've got transportation network systems like Uber and Lyft. You've got um, you know electric vehicles coming in. You've got compressed natural gas vehicles and other kind of alternative fuel vehicles. There's just a lot of things happening in that, um, in that area that make, I think, their task a little bit harder than, than even ours. Um,
0: the city-owned buildings, the, the government controls just a small part of the buildings actually in the city. Um, will this result in some sort of spillover or make it easier in some way for private business, homeowners, et cetera, to also become more efficient? So
1: I think um, I think it may. Uh, you know, I, I think we're trying to grow that marketplace. And uh, if you look at an organization like the Philadelphia Energy Authority, they've got a really big job-centric or job-focused plan to um, to sort of use you know, energy performance contracting and energy efficiency and renewable energy opportunities to grow the jobs in Philadelphia. So I think that's one opportunity where it could. Um, I think for, for Philadelphia kind of as a whole, we're also looking at, you know, 80 by 50 does not get there with government action, municipal government action alone. So we've got a new um, or a framework that's coming out called Powering Our Future, a clean energy vision for Philadelphia. And that's um, really kind of our response and our kind of framework for how we should be looking at citywide buildings. So not just kind of city government, but, you know, homes, businesses, institutions that are out there and how they can sort of do their own work, but also where they should focus their advocacy. Because um, a lot of this, you know, the state – the Local government really only has so many levers, and um, a lot of the bigger levers, um, as, as you know, li- exist at the state level. They exist at the federal level. So it's not so much that we want to pass the buck, but we need, we need, our, we need help basically in, in making sure that folks at those higher levels of government can, can kind of understand what it is that, that we are kind of at the ground floor of this
0: work um, need to, to reach our goals. So this plan goes through 2030. I mean, that's when the goals are, are set for. Um, is there going to be another plan coming along in the next few years or not till 2030 that takes us to the next step? I think so. I think, you know, we we kind of always intended this to
1: be sort of our first sort of blueprint of work. And, um, you know, whether it's in five years or 10 years or 2030 that we sort of need to take the next step and, and reframe our work towards the future, you know, but there absolutely will be. I think we didn't want to get too far ahead of ourselves with setting up a pres- prescriptive path, um, Technology is changing, and and you know financing mechanisms are changing, staffing's changing, the economy's changing. Um, you know one of the challenges we had with the original Greenworks is that we put it out with all these great visions, and there was a hope that there was going to be a carbon tax, and um, instead we got a recession. And so it's uh, it's it's really challenging to sort of plan sometimes when you go too far out in the future. And we didn't want to fall into that trap again, so we're trying to take a chunk. Um, that really we feel comfortable tackling and, and an area of work that we think we can do. Um, so I think it's a really achievable plan, and um, I'm excited that uh, we were able to kind of get the support for it and excited to implement it.
0: Final question for you. Any lessons learned from what you've done thus far? Anything that's harder or easier than you thought it would be?
1: Uh, I think a lot of it's really hard. Um, if you start, <laughs> If you start looking and talking about this work, I think most of the listeners to your podcast are probably, you know, in the weeds, but when you talk to kind of the man on the street about this work, they're really not that comfortable or familiar with what the energy challenges are. So I think the biggest challenge we have is is education. Is how do we make this work kind of accessible to you know everyday Philadelphians?
0: And I guess you have to do internal education as well, right? For sure, yeah.
1: And so again, I'll give another plug for the the uh, planning work that we've been doing, the energy planning. Uh, the climate vision or the clean energy vision that we've got coming out. That's uh, really going to kind of talk a little bit about what our policy priorities should be as a
0: city and what kind of opportunities exist at the state and federal levels as well. Adam, thanks for talking. Thank you. Today's guest has been Adam Magalico, energy manager for the city of Philadelphia. For more energy policy insights and for updates on research and events from the Climate Center for Energy Policy, subscribe to our Twitter feed, at Climate Energy, or visit our website, climateenergy.upenn.edu. Thanks for listening to Energy Policy Now, and have a great day.